1: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Shawley, and welcome to CCHQ. CCHQ, Shawley Campaign Headquarters. Yeah, over the next few weeks, we will guide you through the Tory leadership contest with all the experts and armchair generals you could possibly want. And coming up on today's episode we introduce our CCHQ panel, our top generals, Philip Webster, former political editor of The Times, and Eleanor Goodman, former political editor of Channel 4 News, cast an eye over the campaign. Plus, we've got pollsters and people who know the Tory party inside out. So that's coming up in just a moment. First, as ever, we kick off with our columnist panel. No Rachel Sylvester this week, so instead we've got Libby Poes and Patrick Kidd.
2: The Columnists on Times Radio. Yes,
1: every Monday we're normally joined by Libby Wachie. So we have got Libby Purvis. Morning, Libby. Morning. Uh, but no Rachel Sylvester <sighs> Day, but we have got instead Patrick Kidd. Morning, Patrick. Morning, Matt. Um, I lo- let's start talking money. It's all about the tax. Let's talk about tax, baby. Uh, Libby Purvis, are you pleased th- about how this thing is unfolding thus far?
3: Absolutely not. I mean, they need to talk about things other than tax if if they want people to have uh, a better insight into what they actually stand for. At the moment, it's, you know, high tax versus low tax. Um, and you might say in the case of Rishi versus the rest, um, you know, sort of common sense and prudence versus um, versus wild spending. But, I mean, I absolutely agree with what um, Andy Burnham was saying just now, that, that, that levelling up, we need to talk more about that. We need to talk more about a wider vision. You know, we just need... None of them are really displaying any particular... Any any particular clue as to what they do except, I think uh, Rishi Sunak with his no fairy tales line, which I think uh, will not be very popular with his party, but I think is a sensible one to have brought. I think the videos are extraordinary. Have you seen that Javid has suddenly rolled out an old Brexity one of his that he did before? No, um, you know, one I one I one I made earlier. Oh, I had that to that. Say- turned up online. Online yesterday, it's his old Brexit one, I think, Um, but it's got his life story in it, you know, because Rishi Uh, having rushed out the life story, uh, good and early, having prepared it months ago, no doubt. um, uh, You know, Javid has now got his. Oh yeah, there you are. I don't have
1: a fancy new video, so here's what I made earlier. So this is this is literally the video for his last leadership. Yeah. Failed but I'm, I'm,
3: desperate for, I'm desperate for the Liz Truss video, which I think is going to be the funniest of the lot. No, I, I've seen it. Co- I've comedy seen it. Is what I have seen i do not like
1: to disappoint you. Really? Me. Yeah.
3: She's, is she's, it pure Thatcher? Is it Thatcher from beginning to end? No,
1: it's her standing, I assume, in her own garden. She does say deliver a lot. Deliver, deliver, deliver. Uh, like she's working for Deliveroo or something. And it's got all, you Are you know, saying
3: it's got no pictures
1: on it? Yeah, no, it's, no not, as, it's not as amusing it. as I was expecting. No, it's her walking around. Um, it's disappointingly fine.
3: <laughs> oh, dear, that's a shame. The comedy because fans. I mean we've all we we've, we've all I think had a great deal of, of um pleasure out of poor old Penny Mordants. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, video. She, she went sort <laughs> of peak I, I voted in my country. <laughs> St- Stonehenge and a fried breakfast. Uh, you know, that's what made Britain great. Um Patrick
3: and random people now grumbling about being in it, well, which I think is
1: disgraceful. You, you can't you can't put Well, I think she should have taken out the people who complained and then put in some other people. So they so it's No, a I think I, I rolling... don't think they should have
3: complained. I think
1: it should I have think been if you've been on the news thing. as a
3: Paralympian, you can just you can just be used. I think uh, anyone who's been on a news bulletin, you know, you can bang a bit of news bulletin into your video. I think moaning that you have want to be taken out is just ridiculous. No one's saying that they're endorsing her. But anyway, it is the videos are nonsense, and I, and I wish they would stop it really.
1: Patrick, I imagine you've been enjoying the videos immensely.
3: Uh, well, I have.
4: I'm looking forward to Remon and Trish's, um video um, because I wasn't sure he was still in Parliament. But I, maybe...
1: I can, I can also reveal I've watched that one, so that you don't have to. He's only, well, put, I, I... he's only put it on Facebook, not on Twitter. And if you watch it on Facebook, um, it just cuts out mid sentence.
4: Mark, well, that's, that's what I want from the Prime Minister. Actually, <laughs> for him to stop. Talking. I saw some someone on Twitter. There was the photo, and they said he looks like a man who's trying desperately to remember where he put his car keys, and helpfully his wife is shouting off off shot, "Where did you last have them?" (laughs) Um, I mean, he he put this up at about 11 p.m. last night. 11 p.m. on a Sunday is an odd time to launch a leadership um, campaign, but I wish him well. I mean, most of us Um, at that
1: point are sort of, you know, trying to find some clean trousers for the morning, rather than uh, (laughs) staging a coup.
4: So we've got, we've got eleven now, and I I don't know how many how many videos there are, but I I agree with 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 Libby on the the the, the Johnny Peacock demanding he be removed from Penny Morton's video. I mean, I don't think many people, even though he was on Strictly very briefly, would be able to pick him out of a line-out. And so he, he he is just part of the national story now, and, and frankly, he should have backed out. It reminds me of what Michael um John uh, Michael Jordan, the basketball player, once said when he was asked to endorse. Um, a Democrat, and he said, Well, you have to remember that Republicans buy trainers too. Uh, words, <laughs> so I shouldn't be getting involved in, in, in politics, really.
1: I mean, I suppose the thing is, nobody was watching that and thinking that Penny Morden played any part in uh, Johnny Peacock winning the, the Olympics any more than she played a part in building Stonehenge. The, <laughs> the, whole, th- the whole thing is just a bit weird, isn't it?
4: Well, it, it was inspirational. As you, as you say, you have the I vow to be my country and, and, and stuff like that. It's meant to stir the blood. The thing we have to bear in mind. Is that the people this is pitched at is not it's not the nation, it's at three hundred and fifty odd, some are very odd MPs, and then beyond them a hundred thousand even odder members of the of the toy grassroots. And so it doesn't really matter what Alastair Campbell thinks on Twitter or, or what people say on radio, you've got to get elected to get in. And and so they're pitching at the audience and clearly Morden has th- thought that this England my England thing is is what's gonna do it for her. It's not doing it for you though, Libby.
3: Uh, not really no I mean I I, I think you we'd have to look at what they what they do and what they're like and what they what they have voted for before and how they have behaved before uh, I think you have to look at all those things but as as, as uh, Patrick rightly says we are not the electorate you know unless you're a conservative <laughs> party member we, we, we're not their electorate so we just have to sort of watch what's going on and and then make judgments later they one of the brightest pieces today I thought in in the times is, is Claire Foges saying look whoever it is for heaven's sake do not do what Boris Johnson did and bring in a lot of yes men and 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 weeds and people with no talent bring in the proper talent which does exist in the party you know don't you know don't be afraid of the tall poppies and I think that's a very important thing and that's what we're all kind of clinched and waiting to see but the joy of it is they've got to get it down to two by I think the middle or end of next week yeah. and so a, a lot of these this fringe stuff will will be able to fluff itself away.
1: It will be to see, though, wouldn't it, Patrick, how you get the sort of the genie back in the bottle after all this. I mean, they have already taken great lumps out of each other. Uh, briefing here, smears there. Um, and if it is, I mean, whether it's, I don't know, my my hunch is... If you force me right now, I'd guess it's probably Rishi and Liz Truss in the last two. But, uh, you know, that that's not going to be a... You know, that's going to be a tough old fight between two wings of the party. And how you get... Do you do a full Boris Johnson, kick out anyone who wasn't loyal and just put the loyalists in? Or do you try and bring them all back together? But how can Rishi Sunak have all these people around the cabinet table who've just said his entire economic policy was mad and wrong?
4: Well, you have to do the Big tent and try and build a consensus. But I, I wouldn't do it by offering an enormous number of jobs. Now, there were something like 122 ministers under, under Johnson. Um, whereas if you go back before the Second World War, we managed to get by with only about 40. And I quite like Tom Tugendhat saying that, that we need to get back to doing less but doing it better. Um, and, and so it, it's very easy to try and implicate everyone by giving them a job. But actually what you want is a range of ideas uh, and and, uh, and also just look competent. Uh, that's all I think anyone wants for, for the time <laughs> being.
1: And what about the Labour Party? Um, Keir Starmer is speaking right now. Uh, uh, he's decided that today's the day to make a big speech, Talked about the economy. Uh, he says Britain's stuck with t- uh, a tanking economy and deserves better. Uh, and he's he's been sort of almost repeating the the Rishi Sunak line on sort of fairy tale economics, and so on. Do you think? I mean, there's a danger for Rishi Sunak, Libby, that the uh, not for Rishi Sunak for Keir Starmer, uh, the the best the best days are not ahead for him, but behind him. That actually being the dull manager man up against Boris Johnson might be as good as it got for him.
3: yes i I think i mean i think what uh, i think in the hearts of a lot of people now there is a great yearning just to get the most competent people from every party to have some kind of fabulous dream coalition to have the hard-working beavers like michael gove who was doing fantastic stuff at housing and he was doing good stuff at leveling up he really was working at it we need to get people like that in but then we need to get good people from the other side and we just we're I want a gigantic, brilliant coalition of all the good people um, and uh, absolutely none of the dead batteries from either side. Uh, I think that's what everybody wants. And of course, that's what we're just not ever going to get. So I just speak as a miserable, sad little voter here. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, one advantage of having all these people put themselves forward is because some of them are doing it not to get in the top two, they're, they're not honest about that, but to get a cabinet post. So a cabinet that's got Tom Tuganata in it is going to be stronger. A cabinet that's got Kemi Badnock in it is going to be stronger. Um, even if they don't make it through to the, through to the end, they're raising their profile and... and Hopefully, that getting a spot in 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 the new cabinet.
1: Maybe that maybe that's the solution. Maybe they don't have a leader. Maybe they just all go in the cabinet, and they just have sort of "Have I got news for you" style. Uh, one, you know, they have a guest guest prime minister each week.
4: <laughs> Bruce Forsyth <laughs> just
1: take it in to Bruce. <laughs> Boris Johnson. He was very good on "Have I got news for you." Maybe you could have a go as well. <laughs> uh, Libby, I just very quickly want to talk about your column um, because, yeah. You know, meanwhile, back in the real world. Um, uh, where the energy crisis is still there and looming. And it might be blooming hot now, but it's going to be cold come the winter. And exactly how people are going to get through all of that is going to be is a sort of yet-to-be-resolved issue.
3: Well, I was just interested in thinking about the business of compliance, you see, because in the pandemic, we had the most extraordinary...
1: Oh, I think we might have lost Libby there. Um, Patrick, what do you like? If you get told to save energy, do you do as you're told?
4: Well, yeah, I, I quite like cold, to be honest. And my wife will disagree, but I'll be very happy turning down down all the heating in the house. Um, but you began this this um, spot talking about tax, and and I think actually more importantly, it's cost of living. Yeah. Uh, and I know obviously if you if you have pay less tax, you have more money to spend. But I think what people are concerned about is going past petrol stations and seeing it's pushing two pounds a litre, or or um the, the, the heating costs of their house or food prices. I mean, inflation is such a big thing. So I would really love to hear some ideas from the candidates about how they're going to to bring inflation down. Not Nadeem Zahari saying I'm going to cut twenty percent of spending and, and slash the tax bill.
1: You just slightly get the feeling that they're um, not exactly the, the world's greatest e- economic minds, and the 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 <laughs> the interplay between tax cuts, inflation, in, interest rates, uh, and so on are, are so you know, uh, and productivity, which is the big key thing. Actually, just because Keir Starmer has literally been speaking just in the last few moments while we've been uh, talking, let's take a listen to what the Labour leader's been saying in Gateshead. Britain deserves better than this.
2: We need a fresh start.
1: And I know, I know you'd expect me to say this, but we're not going to get that from a Conservative party infected with the chaos virus caught from Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Only Labour can reboot our economy and end the cost of living crisis. Only Labour can revitalise our public services and re-energise our communities. Only Labour could unite the country and clean up politics. Stirring stuff there from Keir Starmer. What do you make of that, Pat? Uh, I just wish people would talk
4: normally. Every, no. <laughs> it was just striking me that he was sounding a bit like Dennis Norden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like, a sort of stuttering sort of, oh, but coming up, we've got a great video of a man falling off yeah. a castle or something. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> It's just not relevant right now. Let let the Tories squabble. Yeah. Um, because yes, Britain deserves better is a great line, but that's a great line for a general election. Um, I, I I think you know Labour should just have the summer off and start again once the. So just leave.
1: ban rebooting the economy, uh, ban uh, cost of living crisis, ban revitalised public services. Just talk like a normal normal human being. But, uh, Libby, I think we've got you back. You were so desperate to come back to listen to Keir Starmer. No, she's gone again.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, oh, li- I'm no, not are, Libby, gone. Now, I'm we are, here. Now, there we are, Libby. Now, there we are. Yes.
1: Um, uh, no, can't...
3: I'm. I'm. I'm totally here.
1: Good. Um, what? I don't know if you heard the kiss, Starbucks, I don't know what you made of that.
3: Well, uh, yes the, the the cliche that Britain deserves better and so on I, I hes no I, I want detail I want I want detail and, and sort of gritty gritty policies um, not all this well I think we're, we're just sick of the of the grandstanding on both sides at the moment we really need to get back to um, you know very boring factual financial and and social things um, I my column today was about compliance it's about whether after the extreme compliance and great obedience that we will show to in the pandemic, whether people are going to show that in actually uh, using less power and being more careful with, with about, about fuel in this hard winter, you know what, what is going to happen, how are people going to behave? And a lot of that depends on whether we respect the leadership and we need a leadership we can respect. And that's what we're all sort of groping for at the moment.
1: Libby Purvis and Patrick Kibb you can read them in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is the first meeting at CCHQ.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel
5: the warm breeze, relax,
3: and think about
5: work
1: You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. CCHQ. Chorley Campaign Headquarters. Yeah, stand by your beds. Welcome to Chorley Campaign Headquarters. It's your base for all things on the Conservative battlefields. For this mission, I've assembled the best of the best in political analysis, the best armchair generals... To be your guide to the ups and downs, the highs and the lows, and all the people who've shot themselves in the foot. Our top generals, wise generals that they are, Philip Webster, former political editor for The Times, joins us. Hi, Phil. Hi there. Uh, we've also got Eleanor Goodman, the former political editor for Channel 4 News. Hi, Eleanor. Hi. Years of experience on the front line uh, to... Uh, <laughs> To see who who are the sharp shooters, and those who are firing blacks, don't we? We won't we won't spin this metaphor out for much longer. Uh, joining me in the studio, Colonel Henry Hill, assistant editor, of Conservative Home, keeping an eye on the uh, on the, the rank and file, the Conservative Party members. Morning, Henry. Morning. And crunching all the numbers, Sergeant Patrick English is from YouGov. Hi, Patrick. Morning, how Not yeah, very good. Nice to have you with us. Uh, let's go to the generals first. Just your overall sense of, I suppose, when you're just playing, it would be four days, five days into all of this, uh, uh, Phil. Who, who's who's who got the advantage, do you think?
2: Well, it looks on paper as if Sunak's ahead, but also it's all it's equally obvious that he faces the biggest problems. He's got a, a lot of people who are against him. Some of the candidates here have... They're pretty harmless, uh, but Sunak, to... Boris Johnson supporters, those that remain, is toxic. And there's been this rather vicious campaign already. Uh, Another one emerged overnight, WhatsApp messages about Sunak, um, uh, reminding people that he was fined along with uh, Boris Johnson. So he's in front in terms of um, endorsement so far. But I think he's got it all to do. And of course, it's probably a cliche. It is a cliche and we all love cliches, don't we? But you know, the the favorite often does not win these contests and the guy who's the leader early on doesn't always win these contests. So he may be leading on paper, but I think he's got uh, the toughest fight. A lot of people are gonna go uh, almost overnight when they announce the new rules, I'm sure. Um, I don't think Mr. Raymond Schiesti, who uh, announced overnight, I don't somehow see him getting into the second round. Um, and there may be Phil. You're sticking your neck the out round. there. You're sticking yeah. your neck out there. He's a brave man, um, Phil. Always brave, you know.
1: Eleanor, Eleanor, um, your your early assessment of, uh, of of what's happened so far.
6: Well, I agree with. Uh, Phil, that um, Rishi is the man who's got to do the most defending of his position, that he may be ahead in the parliamentary party, but um, there's a lot of uh, dirt being whipped up against him. And I don't think he did himself any favours with his video because I noticed I went for a short drive. To the village on uh, Sunday, and the number of times the word "slick" was mentioned in association w- with Rishi, and I think there's a problem for him that "slick" can become smarmy and kind of associated with shiny hair and brilliantine, and it it just is not helpful for him to be seen as that slick man, given the his uh, financial uh, wealth, and I think he's got to be very careful not to let that take off too much uh, because as we know from the papers this morning there are, there are all these accusations being put against him and he is if you like is the one as, as Phil says for the for the Boris supporters to ensure keeps off that final two and as much as the campaign is about pushing ahead yourself it's about trying to keep off the person who you think is most likely to beat you among the Tory party faithful off those that final two and there's going to be a lot of effort I imagine to keep Liz Truss off that final two because in those in that situation of Rishi versus Liz Truss maybe Liz Truss could come out and win that's where Phil's candidate. Penny Morden might come in. I have to admit to having lost my candidate in the race before it even started, <laughs> in that I was backing Ben Wallace. And he is, his nomination, his support, is going to be one of the things that will be most sought after in the next week.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, see how that pans out. Yeah, no one could accuse Penny Morden's video of being uh, slick. Just to take you through those, uh, those videos, we had, uh, what, Rishi Sunak auditioning to do the CBB's book at bedtime. Let me tell you a story. Uh, You had Kwasi Kwarteng this morning endorsing uh, Liz Truss, um, but slightly oddly.
6: What is it about Liz Truss that you think makes her uh, a viable possibility as Prime Minister?
4: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, No, sorry, just uh, in a a lobby here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that
1: was on breakfast this morning uh, Liz Truss thinks she's going to run Parcel Force We
3: need to deliver, deliver and deliver
1: uh, Grant Shapps is pitching himself as the man to win musical chairs I can help you win your seat uh, The Raymond Chisty is one of my favourite videos of all Because uh, he couldn't even find someone to film it for him He's propped the phone up, apparently in a field uh, And even his phone gave up And this is genuinely how his film ends
2: Because our great country is a great country Because of its great people who believe in resilience, who believe in resourcefulness, and who are...
1: And that's how it finishes. And I then... love
6: the idea of how Grant Shep's can help you find your seat when you couldn't even help people get find their airline seat.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. You ought to send that to one of the rival campaigns. Uh, well, laughing I'm alo- sure they'll have picked it up. Laughing along with all that, is, uh, Henry Hill from uh, Conservative Home, uh, the sort of grassroots Tory website, what are your readers saying? Who do you think
5: has had the best start? I think Rishi Sunak has had the best start, but that isn't setting a particularly high bar. There's been something of a clown car quality to some of the uh, briefing over the weekend. You mentioned Penny Morden's video, which is a sort of two-and-a-half-minute Werther's original advert that she isn't in, uh, which is quite surprising. There's uh, Roman Chishti's, you know, um, video, which, which as I think I said, is uh, the sort of thing that you get when you're on the run from the military. But it's... (laughs) (laughs) You you know, when they've seized the radio stations, you're filming in a field and you get cut off. Um, But I think Rishi Sunak, Has had a slick start. He's been prepared for a while. He's got the best prepared campaign. You know, back when he was the front runner, he was tapping people on the shoulder, building up his campaign machinery and money. So that's not particularly surprising. Um, What is going to be interesting is to see which candidate of the right. Has manages to get into that second spot now. Actually, despite the fact that I don't think she's a front runner, Kemi Badenoch has had a really interesting launch compared to some of them. You know, a good op-ed, some decent endorsements. She's got Michael Gove, um, so some sort of high-powered, you know, senior figures backing her campaign. So that's one to watch. Liz Truss is the front runner, but as you say, I don't think many of the candidates have really stood out yet. And I'm really hoping, and I think a lot of members are probably hoping at this point, that the 1922 committee do actually act to raise the threshold to enter so that we winnow out these early rounds. A long long campaign is great with summer recess. I think we need the time to have the discussion and do the scrutiny. But there's a world of difference between a long campaign that's focusing on the serious candidates and a long campaign that's just a load of also rounds knifing each other. And I think we want option one rather than option two.
1: So what's your expectation? The 1922 committee meet later on. What do
5: you think they will do? I think, because currently you need, I think, eight MPs to yeah. enter the contest, and then that's it. Uh, as many candidates get in as get in, and there's one round, and they get knocked out one at a time. Whereas what I hope will happen is that they will raise the starting threshold to, say, 20. And then what they'll do is at every subsequent threshold, they will eliminate jo- not just the candidate with the least votes, but every candidate without a certain share of the available vote. That way, the early rounds will winnow out quite a lot of people quickly. They can get on with endorsing and you know horse trading for seat- uh, cabinet positions and all the rest of that good stuff, and hopefully we can get to the stage where there's, say, four or five serious candidates and we can actually start having a proper discussion about what their policy programme is going to be.
1: And actually, from the party's point of view, limiting the amount of Angry mudslinging because it's not great for the Tory party. If you know, a good chunk of these are all going to have to be back around the cabinet table at some point,
5: yeah. No, that this weekend has been an absolute um, you can see how it could turn into an absolute disaster with the amount of uh, with the amount of briefing and counter briefing that's been going on. I think everyone needs to remember that ultimately this might be an internal contest, but it's done in the full glare of the public and the media. You can't afford to conduct yourselves like this or the, or the public. Yeah, this is an example, this is an opportunity to show that the Conservative Party is focused on what matters to voters, the cost of living, and all of that. If instead we just get this sort of deranged circus where everyone's leaking each other's tax affairs and promising to, you know, abolish the civil service, it's not going to send the right message to the electorate and it will probably doom us at the next election. Okay, so that's a picture from the, the membership. What about the public? I mean, do they know who any of
1: these people are? Patrick English from uh, governor Let's start with the public perception first and then some of the polling you've been doing on party members. Uh, are, are the public following this? What do they make of it so far? Do they know who these people are?
7: They're certainly following it, and it's certainly something that the public have been, let's say, in a way vying for for a long time now. We've, we've seen since January that the, the the great British public have wanted Boris Johnson gone since since the start of the year, basically. So as far as they're concerned, this is, you know, six, seven months too late. At this stage, in terms of who the replacements are on the runs and riders, well, they know who Rishi Sunak is. They have a vague idea of who Liz Truss is, and then as soon as you go further down that list, they have no idea. And that's quite common. That's 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 not unusual at all. These sort of average voter doesn't pay anywhere near as much attention to uh, to politics as we do here in in TCHQ. So you know they they kind of they get a sense of what's going on as and when the campaign evolves. So today we'll start seeing a little bit more recognition. Tomorrow we'll see some more name recognition, and so on and so on. Particularly when we get more down toward that final two, there's rumours of debates happening on Sky News. That's when I think checking back in with the general public is kind of becomes worth it. When they get a bit more familiar, they start to be able to make their own judgments about who they like and don't like. But I think as we go toward that final two, that will be something that's in the back of Conservative MPs' minds. They'll be casting one eye on who is popular with the public and who isn't. Because, of course, they're not just picking the next leader. They're not just picking the next prime minister. They're picking the person who they're going to send into battle to fight Labour at the next general election. And that is also going to be very relevant, I think, as we get toward that narrowing of the field.
1: And we should um uh fill in Eleanor, we should we should remember that a lot of these people aren't running because they actually think they're going to be Prime Minister, or think they'd be any good if they were. You've got some people running because they want to try and secure better jobs or even just a job uh, in the coming cabinet. Um uh, and others who just want to sort of not not be thrown out of the cabinet altogether. And I think right now there's a there seems to be a live debate happening around Pretty Patel as to whether or not she runs. I spoke to someone last night who said that she was going to make a decision overnight, she was going to make a decision this morning, We're sort of hurt towards midday now. Um, uh, and actually, But actually, why would anyone offer her a job? Because if you, whoever comes in is going to want to present a, a fresh new face, and probably you don't want pretty Patel still there, Phil.
2: Well, I think that's right. And I, the, the, the fact that it's taking so long for her to decide. She's had she's known Boris, you know, we've all known that Boris Johnson's on his way out. She's had plenty of time to think about this. And I can only, uh, I can only assume that she's struggling to get the required number of of supporters. Uh, And you're right, uh, some of these candidates know they have absolutely no chance. Uh, You know, Grant Shapps, very able uh, minister in terms of presenting the government's case on, however dire the government's case is, Grant Shapps has always been there to put up some kind of defense. He's come into this contest, I think, probably, to absolutely assure himself of a place in the next cabinet, and I bet he'll get one. And then we'll see the horse trading as the contest goes on. Let's say that in the end, Sajid Javid doesn't get enough, Mm. enough votes to go beyond stage two where will his votes go? Will they go to Sunak, or will by then Sunak be uh, a rather dam- damaged good, so they'll go somewhere else? This will all go on. That's what ma- will make, as Henry said, the latter stages of the contest <laughs> will actually be more interesting as the votes of the losers start to be redistributed.
1: Um, actually, let's go back to Henry, because somebody just texted in. Are the Conservative Party members in the country, Will really he as old and batty as they're portrayed, would they vote for a Genghis Khan candidate, says Andrea? What do we know about the Tory party members, the actual membership, rather than the sort of perception?
5: Well, nobody... So I don't believe that there's many sort of ethnographic surveys of the, of the Conservative yeah. Party membership. Last time I checked, the average age of the Tory membership wasn't much older than the average age of the Labour membership. It wasn't... Um, it's not that old, you know, they're not, they're not all in the 70s and 80s, but it skews older than the population. I think the most important thing for Conservative members, obviously they are selected for people with a particular interest in politics. They will skew to the right compared to the public at large. But generally, I think they want a winner. You know, the, <laughs> what, they will, what Conservative members want is a Conservative government and victory at the next general election. So I think although a candidate from the right will possibly have an advantage going into the final two, if Rishi Sunak or somebody else is able to say, look, that's all very well, but I am the man who's going to return a Conservative government in twenty twenty four and convince members of that. I think that will be enough to offset wild promises about tax cuts or quitting the ECHR or anything else.
1: Patrick English, I know you, you poll Conservative Party members as well. What do you what do you know about them?
7: <laughs> All sorts. What would you like to know about them? Um no, so when we when when we've polled them recently, what we've found is a general sense, I think, that a continuation of the Boris Johnson style, a continuation of the Boris Johnson legacy, someone who's, you know, a hardcore Brexiteer, these are things that are not priorities for the Conservative membership right now. I I, I think it's been said really, what they they want is someone who's going to win an election, but also someone who's going to unite the party. There's a strong sense around 30% of the members that we're polling at the minute say that they feel the Conservative party does not represent their priorities or values. That's quite something to say, you're a member of a party, that's kind of one thing you might expect, but at the minute they're not really saying that. Also, I think competency is a big thing as well. I think there's a sense that the leadership style of Boris Johnson, of of the way that the Conservative Party sort of that that sort of top level has been operating recently is not very attractive to the membership right now. And they want to break from that, want to change from that. And therefore, I don't think it was too surprising when we were looking at the early figures to see people with defence or military backgrounds leading the campaigns. I think that was a very clear message from the Conservative memberships with the Wallaces and the Moderns saying, look, you know, we want a leadership style that's kind of a bit more grounded. Bit more sort of um, has a bit of gravitas around it, rather than some sort of the chaotic scenes and the div- divisory that, that scenes that we've been seeing, particularly over the last sort of six months a year.
1: Um, what difference do you think, Eleanor Goodman? Uh, do you think that these endorsements make there were so many candidates, the, 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 everyone sort of making these endorsements, knowing that within about twenty four uh, four hours, forty eight hours, they're going to be endorsing somebody else.
6: Well, I think what 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 they're why they're important is where somebody clearly comes from a particular background, like Liz Truss clearly comes from the right. She wants to consolidate on the right, but she also needs to, to demonstrate that she can get support of some somebody more grounded in the one-nation conservatism, and that's probably very doubtful that she would. Um, and, and equally for uh, Rishi, I think he's got to show that he's not just the candidate of the establishment. I mean, his problem is that he is so... Uh, identified because he's well known as a member of um, Boris's team and the advantage someone like uh, Kimi has is that she is a clean skin she is new and one of the things if you look at the talking to a pollster at last week they were saying that in fact it looks as if Rishi is the only one who could beat Labour but equally is a case for saying they've got to look new that like John Major did after Mrs Thatcher uh, left and that someone who has no experience of government or you know high profile government might do very well so she needs the, the endorsement as she has got with Michael Gove who is someone who has been in government so you're putting together you're trying to round your uh, reputation and uh, make up the deficiencies, of and that's why Ben Wallace is going to be so important. His nomination. People, though, one shouldn't remember it's not a block vote that's going to move seamlessly from one to the other, but it's an important indicator. Yeah,
1: and that, that sort of yin and yang thing is quite interesting. So uh, somebody's just texting. If you are going to text in, put your name on it. it says, what might the chance be if either Tugendhat or Badenoch, whoever falls behind first, giving their support and directing the votes towards the. Uh, towards the other for a PM Chancellor team. It presents an interesting challenge to Labour to tap them on the Lazier Identity Politics Fund. So suggesting that Tuganheim and Badenoch should team up. Tony says it beats me how anyone in the recent cabinet could be expected to be a plausible candidate for PM when they've been complicit in preserving Johnson's position way beyond his use by date. The next PM must come from outside the cabinet, which is an extraordinary thing to say. Actually, Normal, you know, normally cabinet experience would count in your favour, but clearly, uh, that's a big, uh, you know, that's a big issue for lots of people. And then someone else says the standout candidate is undoubtedly Penny Don't Forget all the videos. <laughs> how can we forget the videos? <laughs> Uh, she could be the best hope for restoring things like decency, competency, gravitas, and integrity. And uh, someone else on Twitter says uh, all the candidates should be asked a leadership contest filter: Dunelm home base or Lulu Little. That's how you separate the wheat from I think that's where you buy your wallpaper from. That's a question that uh, they should be asked. Um, on the economy, uh, Patrick English, we've we've heard an awful lot of. Rishi Sunak says we can't have fantasy economics. Uh, all of the others seem to have then immediately laid out precisely that we can have massive, massive billions of pounds of tax cuts, without really suggesting where they come from. All suggesting we could make um, spending cuts. Where is public opinion on this question on the on the current level of tax and the current level of public uh, spending?
7: I think there's a there's a a general sense that neither are very important right now When we poll the general public the one thing which keeps coming up every single time we ask is the cost of living crisis and they simply want a government who is going to get to grips with that who's going to deal with that and put concrete measures in to help sort of people in their back pockets right now I think we haven't pulled directly on this but I think sort of a campaign which focuses exclusively on tax cuts particularly for talking about business rates and what have you isn't going to go down very well with the public because that It's not really going to help them right now with the money that's in their pocket. And they're feeling this quite dramatically. We've seen things like petrol prices and we've seen things like heating bills. And these are things which are only going to get worse as we head toward the autumn and the winter. So the priority for the public right now is sorting out this cost of living crisis and tax cuts, public spending. It's not really coming too much into the equation right now. So that's really where if I was a leadership campaign, I'd be putting my energy into the, the focus on, particularly if I've got one eye on the general public.
6: I must say, listening to it over the weekend, It was a curious sort of mirror image of the Tories' general election campaign tactics insofar as they were outbidding each other to make to promise tax cuts and things that would cost money without saying how they would pay for them. And, you know, it was exactly as Tories used to accuse Labour of not costing their promises. And it's extraordinary to think that in two years' time, presumably, they will have a general election and all these things will come back to haunt them. And they just don't sound credible to me at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, the most striking, most extraordinary thing for me was the business secretary Kwasi Kwarteng back in Liz Truss telling the Sun today, "We can't simply be accountants trying to balance the books the whole time." (laughs) Henry Hill, that's that's literally what the Conservative Party exists for, isn't it? That they balance the books, and it's the Labour Party who always leave us bankrupt.
5: Yeah, that was the line for a very long time. That was David Cameron's conservatism, which now feels like a lifetime ago, although it was only six years since he left. But this is the state of the sort of internal revolution that's happened within the Conservative Party at this well, point. I remember now... going
6: round with Mrs Thatcher all those years ago and she would be waving a shopping basket above her head and saying, any any good housewife knows you have to balance the books. Yeah. I, I, I... These people who are now claiming that they would slash taxes are the very people who claim to be standing in Mrs Thatcher's Just... image. You can see lists. Trust any minute now when she realises there was a good photo opportunity with a shopping bag to be done to doing that one. Doing that,
5: Henry. It's going to be an absolutely it's going to be an absolute nightmare of the general election because obviously we are all of this nonsense is going to be said during the, the leadership campaign and then we're going to head, they're going to become prime minister and suddenly will be like actually we, you know we've got families that can't afford to heat their homes yeah. or drive their cars or feed their families and all of this stuff is going to be completely cast aside. So it's going to make them look out of touch and then disingenuous. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. right. Here we go then. Let's go around the whole group. Marks out of ten. they they're chance. Chances of becoming prime minister? Do you think? We'll go: Phil, Eleanor, Henry, Patrick, in that order. Let's kick off with Swella Braverman. Phil, one. Eleanor,
6: Uh, I'd give her one as well.
1: Uh, Patrick, two. Henry, three. Oh, okay, that's slightly (laughs) better. Right, Tom Tugendhat. uh, Phil, Uh, four. Oh, okay. Eleanor,
6: I think we've worked too long together because I I was going to say
1: or five for him but I'll, go, I'll say for four. Patrick? Five. Henry? Four. Okay it's sort of edging up. This isn't all the order they declared by the way. Uh can we better not? Phil? Uh five. Eleanor? um,
6: I will go for six.
1: Patrick? Five. Six. Six. Uh, six for Henry. Right, Rishi Sunak. Phil? Seven. Oh, okay. That's that's lower than I was expecting. Eleanor?
6: I'll go eight.
1: Uh, Patrick? Seven. Henry? Eight. Excellent. Jeremy Hunt. We've barely discussed Jeremy Hunt. Phil? (sighs) Five. (laughs) The noises are more (laughs) instructive almost than the numbers.
4: (laughs) Eleanor?
6: Well, I'm just wondering if there won't be a backlash against all these uh, promises and things, and they won't start looking for someone solid and reputable... Uh, and you could argue that that was him and that therefore I'll go for six.
1: Right. Although he's promised quite a lot of big ta- tax. All, uh, cut all, all taxes. Cut all taxes is his latest promise. Uh, Patrick yes, on Jeremy Hunt.
6: He's reassuringly solid about him that he does know his way around <laughs> government, doesn't he? And he's not comp- he is not sullied by the, the um, Boris affair to that extent. Well,
1: there, there is that. Patrick, uh, your your marks out of 10 on Jeremy Hunt's chances. Three. Four. Yeah. And four from Henry. Right, Sajid Javid. Uh, Phil. Three. Eleanor? Um, two. Oh, dear. <laughs> Patrick? Two. Uh, and Henry? Three. Three, okay. Grant Shapps, Phil. Oh, a lot of them, aren't they? We're nearly there, we're nearly there. Grant Shapps. Uh, uh, I'm afraid not. <laughs> wow, that's the worst you've given so far. Um, Eleanor? <laughs> Well, where are you going to go with Raymond Shusty? Uh,
6: Suella, Br- 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 Norton. I didn't know we were into Nort, So I, I will give um, Chaps one just to be kind and charitable.
1: Patrick? One. Henry? One. OK. Uh, Nadim Zahawi, the current Chancellor. Phil? Uh, four. Eleanor? Two. Patrick? Two. Two. Henry, two. Right. <laughs> Raymond Schistie, you can have negative numbers if you want to. <laughs> Phil?
2: Uh, I'm afraid not. Eleanor?
6: Minus
7: one. <laughs> Patrick? Uh, one, I'll be kind. What? <laughs> <laughs> if you look now, we can see you
5: nice. YouGov's uh, uh, share price tanking on that basis. <laughs> Bur- I think Boris Johnson has a higher chance of winning this contest. Than wow. Save for that, Henry. <laughs> uh,
2: Penny Morton, Phil? Oh, I better stick with Penny, hadn't I? As I predicted her last week, I'll go eight. Eight. Okay. Interesting. Eleanor.
1: I'll go six. Uh, Patrick. Seven. Henry. Five. Uh, And finally, Liz trusts Phil. Six. Interesting. Eleanor.
6: I was going to go six as well, but before Phil said it, I went. You don't know.
1: (laughs) Patrick. Six. Henry. Seven. I think on the I should have really been writing all those down, but I wasn't. I think roughly on the base of that, I think we're heading for a Rishi Sunak Penny Mordant runoff.
5: Is that our? Mm. No, I wouldn't have thought so just because they're both kind. That neither of them is really a candidate of the right. So I think that oh, so it's I think, one of, I think it's one of them. And I'd have know, expected that yeah. the dynamic will be Rishi or Penny versus Liz or well,
1: someone we'll, else. Well, we'll we'll take all those numbers. We'll feed them into the CCHQ algorithm, and then uh, <laughs> and, and then,
7: then, 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 then burn them. Please. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, no comebacks.
1: Well, no. the beauty of it is, it's such a wide open field, and, and I'll be honest, you all basically said six and seven from everyone, so uh, you can't be held accountable. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll. The ba- basically, the idea is that over the next, uh, at least over the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll bring you back at various points to get your take on how it's all, on how it's all panning out, because it's going to. Basically, we do need some whittling, because at the moment, going through all of them took half the time we were chatting. It's really good to speak to you all. Uh, thanks so much. For that Phil Webster, former political editor of the Times, and Eleanor Goodman, former political editor of Channel Four News, uh, Patrick English from you gov and in the studio with me was uh, henry hill from con home conservative home so we've got time for on this episode of the red box podcast don't forget you can listen to me live monday to friday 10 till 1 on times radio and we bring you the best bits here on the podcast and if you're feeling particularly nice why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from
5: hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter